May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 13, verses 1 to 10 and 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and while sowing, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the world, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So we head into our sermon here this morning. I want to simply note for, for those of you watching at home, uh, we do understand that our connection, at least to the Facebook live stream, is cutting in and out a little bit. Um, we are doing our best to stay on that and get it back up, but you can probably have a smoother experience over at our website, www.stluke.mn. Um, with that, we will move into our sermon, Hope in the Midst of Despair, which is not going to be about live stream tech issues, even though I'm going to now approach the sermon with a little extra hope while trying to ignore some despair. Well, as we did mention, today marks the first Sunday of the season of Lent, and we are entering into a new Lenten series that we are calling Life in the Midst. Throughout these 40 days of Lent, we are going to be exploring spiritual and communal practices that keep us rooted and grounded when times are tough. Beginning this first week with the sincere spiritual challenge of finding hope in the midst of despair. Now, I'm not going to dedicate any sincere chunk of time here to reviewing the many areas of life that feel heavy with despair at the moment. I think it's enough to simply note that times are tough, and it's been an existentially challenging number, uh, a few years here. 
And I think that we would all understand if a great many of us right now felt, on average, a little more despair than hope. In an interesting way, our scripture this morning is actually chronicling this very feeling of despair, or at least it's trying to help us understand why some things don't always go the way that we had hoped or planned. The parable of the sower, as it's typically named, it's, it's seated here in the Gospel of Matthew in what turns out to be a rather rocky, thorny stretch for Jesus' ministry. The preceding couple of chapters have many stories of opposition and misunderstanding of Jesus and his teaching and his disciples. While the chapter at hand here, chapter 13, ends shortly after this parable with Jesus' own hometown of Nazareth rejecting him and despising him. Things are not going well for Jesus and the crew at the moment. And so Jesus, Jesus shares this parable to reflect on the nature of the gospel and why it is that so many of their earnest teachings and hope seem to be failing to take root. Why is it that three quarters of the seeds that we are sowing are failing to find a home? How can it be that 75% of people are rejecting us in the message? Some seeds Jesus shares fail to take root because they land on hardened ground and hardened hearts. Some seeds fail to take root amid rocky soil where their roots are easily scorched. Some seeds do find root only to then be choked out amongst their thorny surroundings. And then some precious few seeds do find good soil in which to root and bloom and grow. The core message of the parable, as Jesus does go on to explain here, is, look, not everyone is going to be receptive to the gospel. But we are called to sow these seeds of hope regardless and to celebrate when they do find good soil. Because then, when that does happen, they can produce a hundredfold. And there's a good message in there about serenity and acceptance, a message that we will revisit in a future week, in fact. Each of the four sermons that I'll be preaching during Lent, I want to come back and revisit this very passage. But here's the thing. I take issue with this parable, at least for us and for our own modern context, because I don't want to waste 75% of the seeds that we are sowing. A 25% success rate does not feel altogether sustainable. It certainly feels like three-quarters of the times I will be seeing a situation that is fraught with despair rather than hope. So what do we do with this passage? How do we enter in as the modern-day church? 
If I were to take and divide up this sanctuary into four quadrants, and if I were to, to tell each of you ahead of time, okay, uh, this quadrant, it is going to be hard, nothing will grow there. This quadrant, it's going to have rocky, thin soil, uh, maybe you could grow a few things. This quadrant is going to be really thorny, a lot of that buckthorn maybe that we've been talking about for so long. But this quadrant here, where the pulpit is, this quadrant is going to have good soil. Where would each of you choose to plant your seeds? You'd plant it right here, right? That makes sense. I find it problematic to have this parable, this story, in which we are supposed to find peace with the fact that we are going to lose about 75% of the seeds of hope that we are planted, when maybe if we adjusted our strategy a little bit, we might find ways to focus on planting our seeds in good soil. Or, and here's the big or that I really want to advocate for this morning, we might spend 364 of the days of our year not sowing seed, but working to cultivate better soil around us so that when it comes time to sow the seeds of hope, of love, of justice, of peace in the world, we are doing so not just in one small area, but in a much wider area that we have worked to make more fertile to the very fragile hopes that we are carrying. Now, to be fair to Jesus here, Jesus had a very different life and mission and calling. He had a finite amount of time in his public ministry, just three years to work with. Most of the towns that we see Jesus visiting, he will only visit once or twice. In that situation, in that calling, you do not have time to dig into the slow but important work of nurturing good soil. Probably the best thing that you can do in that context is to sow the seeds of hope widely and celebrate when they do find ways to take root and bloom, celebrate that they can produce a hundredfold. That was Jesus' life and ministry and calling, and he did plant seeds that are still alive today. So I celebrate that. But for us as the church, we are not Jesus. We have a very different life and calling. And for us, even though it doesn't always feel like it at times, we do have time on our hands. We have the gift of working with and nurturing generations of people and partnerships and policies. And so we have this opportunity that Jesus did not in the midst of this parable, which is not just to focus on this as the parable of the sower, but to see this as the parable of the soils. We have the opportunity to look around at those 75% of soils that are not ripe for bearing good fruit in the world and say, I want to be a part of changing that. I want to be a part of the slow work of taking that hard, thin, rocky soil, that soil that is smothered with invasives like buckthorn. I am going to be a part of nurturing that into good soil 
so that when those seeds of hope do come our way, they will find fertile ground. Now you can imagine what this might look like on a very little literal le- level if you consider our own grounds restoration work here out back. Yes, there are places on our grounds here at St. Luke that are simply not going to be receptive to seeds. We have a wonderful new paved parking lot that will never grow plants. We can accept that and make peace with that. We have some spots with beautiful fertile soil that currently bear food for our local food shelf partnerships, and that's wonderful. But we also have those two in-between soils, and that's something that we've been digging into. We have a lot of hard, rocky soil that has been covered in debris. Last year, we hauled out concrete and barbed wire and God knows what from the backgrounds to clear the rocky soil and to make it fertile. Likewise, we also spent a whole lot of time last year rooting up thorny buckthorn so that this year, this spring, we can cast a diverse mix of native seeds that are going to take root and turn into a productive ecosystem. We can do that work literally this year because we did the work last year of tending to the soil and of making it ready. And that is good and beautiful work that we can do when we embrace the parable of the soil of the soils and the gift of the slow work of cultivating what's beneath the surface. But of course, this isn't just literal. We can do this work together in our communities, in our families, in our very selves. In places where we find that the ground is hard, where hearts are impermeable, we can work over time to soften them in the name of compassion. We can even work to recognize that sometimes the hardened hearts are our own that need softening. In places where the soil of our souls is rocky and shallow, we can do what we can to tend to it, to nurture it, to sift out the hardened bits, the wounded bits, the scabs, and to slowly bring nurture and serenity and growth until over time we find that new layers of soil are building. And where there are those thorny, creeping, invasive influences that creep into our lives like apathy and despair and greed, we can work to slowly root out wherever they are at home, in our hearts, in our communities, in our policies, so that these thorny invasives are removed. This is soil-tending work. This is below-the-surface type of work that we, we don't get into at first blush when reading this scripture. But if we step back and ask ourselves, why are we casting the seed so widely? If we reposition our view, we can find that we always have the opportunity to work on the soil that is beneath our feet. We always have the opportunity to invest in the soil of our beings. I'm talking about our very souls. 
And so this Lent, as we navigate a world that is, yes, filled with despair and with hardship and hardened places and thorny attitudes, we can recognize that some of those things are beyond our control. And at the same time, we can dig into that generational investment of nurturing wellness, of tending our soil, of creating fertile ground, whether that's in your individual hearts or whether that's in a community like this that will see people come in and out of our doors for generations. This is a fertile ground right here. This is a place of nurture. And that is something to embrace and celebrate with hope even when the despair feels heavy around us. Yes, the ground is frozen and bleak and bare right now, but so much of the fertility of soil is below the surface. If we can remember that, if we can envision that, and yes, this Lent, if we can work on that and continue to cultivate goodness below the surface, then yes, in time, more hope will take root and bloom. So may we have eyes to see and ears to hear, not only the parable of the sower, but the parable of the soils as well. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.